My theme this morning, as we continue through with the book of Acts, Christ Church in Action, and my sub-theme is More Power. Today, I will be looking at Acts chapter 2, as has already been read by my sister-in-law, Sister Eleanor, thank you, and verses 1 through to 15. More power. When we think of the word more, we think of an additional amount of something. When we think of the word power, we think of the ability to direct or to influence change or behavior of others. I note as I was doing my studies that in the book of Mark chapter 3 verses 14 through to 15 that Jesus had called 12 men, he had ordained these men and the Bible tells us that he gave them power to preach, power to heal the sick and power to cast out devils. This was while Jesus was walking with them in person. But still, after he had died and after he had resurrected, when he met with them, he commanded them to wait for the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And if we were looking back at what we had covered over the past couple of weeks, in Acts chapter 1 verses 5 and verse 8 it says, this is Jesus speaking, For John truly baptized with water, But you shall be baptized with the Holy Ghost not many days from now. And in verse 8, Jesus continues to say, But you will receive power after the Holy Ghost is come upon you. And there was a reason for this. Jesus continues by saying, You will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in Judea, in Samaria, and in all parts of the earth. Hallelujah. When we think about power, we think that the power needs to have a source. It needs to have some form of energy to enable the person or the thing to move and to move with great force. The book of Acts, as we have been told already, was written by Luke. He was a physician or a doctor, as we will say. And to me, the book of Acts reads like a storybook. It looks at various events that took place concerning the disciples of Christ. It looks at the birth of the church and how God used ordinary people, people like you and me, to do extraordinary things. Amen. Verse 1 of chapter 2. And... And is a connecting word. So that tells me that chapter 2 is a direct continuation of chapter 1. And the last thing we saw in chapter 1 were the disciples casting lots to replace Judas Iscariot who had betrayed Jesus and had then taken his own life. So and when the day of Pentecost had fully come. What is Pentecost? Pentecost in the Greek means 50, five zero. For us to understand the day of Pentecost, we need to go back into the history books. The Jews celebrated seven different celebrations throughout the year called feasts. 
Pentecost was one of the three that they were directly commanded by God to go to the city of Jerusalem in order to celebrate. God called it a holy convocation. And the people, or the Jewish male, and only the males, were the ones entitled to go. And I note that such males from around the age of 13 had to be able-bodied. So if you were male, and you were 13, and you had glasses like me, you weren't able to go because you were not whole enough to go. And I thought about that. And I thought about us as I look upon the congregation in front of me. Ladies, we weren't able to go. But God did something miraculous and changed all of that. And so before I get to the day of Pentecost, I need to talk about the first of those feasts. And that feast was called the Passover. It is what we nowadays celebrate around the Easter season. You see, the Passover was celebrated because the lamb of the blood of the lamb, rather, was smeared and upon the doorposts of all of the houses of the Israelites. God was about to do something, and God has said to His chosen people. If you smear the blood upon the doorpost, when the death angel passes that night and sees the blood, the death angel will pass over. Hence the name Passover. Now the disciples would probably have celebrated the Passover many times before. But this Passover was very different. Because it wasn't just a lamb now that was slain, but it was the lamb of God that was slain. It was Jesus, the son of God, who shed his blood for you and for me. So if we were to pierce us, if we were to cut us open, we will see the blood of Christ upon our hearts. And that is the only reason why we can say what we say today. To God be the glory. Great things he has done. And so the Passover was the first of such celebrations that they had to go to Jerusalem. The disciples at this time had witnessed the crucifixion of Jesus. They had witnessed Jesus' resurrection and Jesus was actually with them speaking. And then we have the Pentecost. The Feast of Pentecost is also known as the Feast of Weeks, and this took place some 50 days after the Passover. But there were two things that I note as I was studying. The first of those things was this. For all the other feasts, the bread that they were told to eat was unleavened. But for the Passover, the bread that they were told to eat was leaven. And we can read this in Leviticus 23 and verse 17. Now normally when we speak about leaven, 
in church, in the Bible. We're talking about sin. We're talking about corruption that comes into the church and ebbs its way into the church. But what I would like us to consider is this. Leaven is a rising agent. The properties of leaven is to modify or to change something into its own nature. So when Jesus was speaking in the book of Matthew 13 and verse 33 about the kingdom of heaven and he was likening it unto leaven, what Jesus was actually doing was prophesying of things yet to come. He spoke of an agent that would influence and an agent that would transform people for the better. He was speaking about the gospel the gospel of Christ. You say, the gospel of Christ started with a handful of men. But it wasn't just to stay with a handful of men. It was to grow and grow and grow until it reached all nations of the world, filling people with the righteousness and the true holiness of God. Amen. The other thing I note about Pentecost that was different to all the others, was God had commanded the Israelites that when they harvested their crops, again in Leviticus 23, verse 23, they were to leave the corners untouched. In other words, whatever they were harvesting, they were to leave the edges. And those edges were so the poor and the strangers coming into the city would be able to have something to eat. You see, the gospel is not just for a selected few people. The gospel is not just for the Jews, but the gospel is for each and every one. Hallelujah. You see, the gospel is going to reach the conscience of men. It is going to pierce the heart of men. It is going to enlighten man's understanding of the righteousness and the holiness of God. Until all of us, until all of us, Come to the obedience of Christ. Hallelujah. And the third of those feasts or festivals was that called the Feast of Tabernacles or the Feast of Booths. And here they celebrated God's provision and the way God had kept them as they wandered through the wilderness for four zero years. At that time, they were dwelling in temporary accommodation. And whenever they celebrated the Feast of Tabernacles, they would dwell in temporary accommodation. And it reminds me of the church. You see, church, today we are reminded that this earth is just a temporary abode. This earth is just a temporary abode. But heaven, hallelujah, heaven, hallelujah, heaven is our final destination. There we will dwell with our Christ, our risen Savior, hallelujah, forever. You see, the God that I serve is all-knowing. He is the God that sees the future he is the God that sees the present. He is the God that sets time to everything. He is God who knows 
that there was going to come a time after the Passover, there was going to come a time called Pentecost. And he knew that the Jews were going to flock in their numbers into the city of Jerusalem. No matter where they were living. Because that was the culture. That was the command that God gave them in the Old Testament. And in Acts 1 verse 45, Christ told his disciples, Stay in Jerusalem for that promised gift that they were going to receive not many days from now. And as we read, it says, they were all with one accord and they were all in one place. Around eight to 10 days had passed since the disciples had seen Jesus ascend into the heavens. Now we know earlier in the same uh, in chapter 1 that they went to the upper room and there they were praying and making supplication. The exact location we don't actually know but we know they were in the upper room. But when the day of Pentecost came, the Bible said fully come. So it means that it wasn't just the dawn of the day, but it was the full part of the day. I believe where the maximum amount of Jews would have been at the temple. Because it was customary for them to go to the temple to pray. They were in one place, in one accord. I think, church, that sometimes we underestimate the power and the blessing there is to be had in unity. If I go back again to the book of Psalms 133, it says, Behold, how good and how pleasant it is. In other words, look, take note, observe with your natural eyes how agreeable it is when we come together as one. How delightful and pleasant when we come together as a unit. You see, when we talk about a unit, we're talking about something that is complete. <laughs> but where there is division, there is separation. And where there is separation, there is nothing but destruction. But where there is unity, as we read on a little further, it says it is there that God commands the blessing. Hallelujah. It goes on to talk about the Jew that's going to fall down. When I think about the Jew, and I think about the, the Mount of Hermon, it said that those dwelling in tents on the Mount of Hermon, when they woke in the morning, the tents were as wet as if it had rained all night. And we know that when it rains, there is a blessing to be had. Why? Because without the rain, there would be no harvest. And without the reign of the Holy Spirit, there will be no spiritual harvest. So when the day was in full swing and the maximum amount of people to be present would have been there, something happened. Suddenly, verse 2 says, there came a sound from heaven. And I thought for a moment about this word suddenly. And if I can go a little bit further into the Bible, 
into the book of Thessalonians. It talks about another day when there is going to be a sudden sound. This time it is not going to be the sound of a mighty rushing wind, but it's going to be the sound of an archangel. It's going to be the sound of trumpet. That is the day when Christ himself shall come suddenly to take his church out of the world. Hallelujah. And so the reason for the day of Pentecost in filling wasn't that they will hold it to themselves, but that the church will be birthed and that the church will move from place to place, as we will say, from glory to glory, until each and every person have received the word of God. Hallelujah. There came a sound of a mighty rushing wind. Now I believe that according to verse 6, that the sound of the wind is what drew their attention. You see, we human beings are very curious people. We like to be involved in things. We want to know what's going on. So I believe, well, some people say that there were over 100,000 persons present at that time. Now, if you could imagine 100,000 people being present in any one place will take up a vast amount of space. And as they were in the vicinity, it was the sound of the rushing wind that drew them to the place where the disciples were receiving the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Verse 3 says, And there appeared unto them cloven thongs as of fire, and it sat upon each and every one of them. So after they heard the sound, they saw slender appearances of fire in the shape of a tongue and it sat upon every single disciple that was in the room. And then I note something. I note that it was the sound that filled the room, but it was the tongues of fire that sat upon each and every disciple that was present in the room. And the Bible goes on to say they were filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Hallelujah. They spoke in a language that they did not learn. They spoke in a language that ordinarily they would not have been able to speak. You see, in Bible days, it was widely believed that any unusual appearance of fire represented the presence and it represented the influence of God. So when Moses saw the burning bush, that was God's way of communicating. In fact, it was God's way of getting his attention so that he could communicate with Moses. And it was at this time that God has said to Moses, I want you to deliver my people from slavery. Today, God is saying to the church, he wants you and he wants me to deliver his people from the slavery of sin. Moses delivered them 
from the Egyptian slavery. But the Holy Spirit today is the agent that delivers from the slavery of sin. Hallelujah. You see, the law was given to Moses in the Old Testament to direct the people how to live unto God. But the gospel in the New Testament is given to the disciples and to us, the church, so we can show the world how to have a relationship with our God. Hallelujah. The Ten Commandments were given to the Israelites, but the gospel, as I have already said, is given to the world so that the world might be saved. Hallelujah. Verse 6 tells us that the devout Jews were there live, and those that were living in Jerusalem ran to see what was going on. <laughs> Verse 7 says they were completely amazed and they said, well, how can this be? Are not all of these people Galileans? So if these people are Galileans, how is it that we can hear them speaking in our native language? <laughs> As the people drew closer and they heard what they heard with their ears and they saw what they saw with their own eyes, the amazement occurred. You see, it wasn't the fact that they heard them speaking in their own language. I believe the amazement or the thing that troubled them was the fact that it was the Galileans that was doing this. You see, the Galileans of all the people that God could have used was the most uneducated persons of the day. They were the most uncivilized group of people. They were the most rude people, the most unsophisticated people, the most unlearned people of the day. They didn't have access to the books or the places of learning as others Jews would have had. But they had something, something more powerful, something more wonderful than any book could have given them. They had an experience so powerful called the baptism of the Holy Spirit. The power of God that makes a difference in our lives. Hallelujah. You see, we the church have been called into the world to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. The baptism of the Holy Spirit gave them the power to continue what Jesus had already started with them. You see, the difference then, Jesus walked with them in the flesh. But now Jesus had departed and had ascended back into the heavens. He knew that they did not have the strength, hallelujah, to stand by themselves. He knew they didn't have the power to withstand all that they were about to encounter. You see, this outpouring of the Holy Spirit at Pentecost, it had a specific purpose. And that purpose was to move the church of God. And you know what, brethren? The purpose has not changed. From 2,000 years before, the purpose is exactly the same today as it was. You see, church, if we are going to move the gospel forward, if we are going to reach the world, 
if we are going to make disciples it means that we have to speak to the murderers it means that we have to speak to the drug addicts it means that we have to speak to the prostitutes it means that we have to reach those on the brink of suicide it means that we have to reach into the LGBT community Jesus said go into every nation and preach teach and baptize and keep teaching them to observe everything that I have taught you what did Jesus teach them he taught them how to have compassion he taught them how to love he taught them how to have a relationship hallelujah you see when Jesus was speaking he wasn't telling them just to go to this place and that place because you cannot teach a location but it is the people within the location that he has called you and he has called you he called you he called you he called you at the back and he called me hallelujah even those of you watching online Jesus called you to go and to be a witness I often say to my disciples in training a witness is someone that have experienced something firsthand I was there when Jean said so and so I was there when Phil did so and so I was there when I saw this and I saw that it didn't come from a second person it came from my own eyes my own ears my own lips it came from an experience that I have had so when people say that God is good and I say amen it's because I have experienced hallelujah oh thank you Jesus I have experienced the goodness of God I have experienced the faithfulness of God hallelujah when I wasn't really thinking about him yes sure mommy made sure that every Sunday we went to church and every midweek whatever midweek was then we had to go to prayer meeting and when they were praying I had to bow my knees on the chair and many a times I would fall asleep and many a times at the end of the prayer meeting someone would plot me but over all of the years hallelujah I have tasted the goodness of God hallelujah thank you Jesus and it is this goodness that I want to share with the world there was a man I think in America I don't know his name was Colonel something the other and he made a recipe and he sprinkled it upon the chicken 
and he tasted it and he saw that the chicken tasted good and so he put it in a container and then he shipped it around the world and now wherever you go you will find a KSC I believe wherever you go because they say it is finger licking good hallelujah I don't like chicken anymore I don't eat KSC anymore but the point is this they tasted the KSC and they said it was good but the KSC will last just for a moment upon the lips but this will I speak of hallelujah will last for a lifetime hallelujah 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 Hallelujah. I have tasted, hallelujah, the goodness of God, hallelujah. So the point of the baptism of the Holy Spirit was to give the disciples and us today the power to go out and to do the work that Jesus had started to do. You see, brethren, if we neglect to present the gospel to any group of people, any group of people, then we have failed to complete the commission that Jesus had given unto us. Go and make disciples. And that brings me to verse 9 through to verse 11. From 9 through to 11, we read of all the various people that was present. It started with the east part of Persia down to the Arabians. And as I was studying, I noticed something. The Alamanites were famous for their warlike nature. The Cappadocians, they were famous for their iniquity and their intense wickedness. And the Cretes, they were known for their deceit and lies. But God would have these people. Note, it wasn't the church goers only of the day. But people came from all over the place. It doesn't matter what their nationality was. It doesn't matter what their background was. It doesn't matter what the culture was. God would have those people there. Why? Because he was about to do something. Something that humans could not do in themselves. Hallelujah. He was about to touch these people. Get them to observe with their own eyes the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. Why? So that as they travel back to their locations, they will take the gospel with them. Could you imagine? I like to travel. And one of the things people often say is when you come back is, how was Barbados? How was this place? How was that place? Could you imagine? How was Jerusalem? Well, I tell you, I saw something so strange. There were a bunch of people, normally we would not even look at them, but they were speaking all of these languages. And then somebody started to accuse them of being drunk. And this man 
even know Jesus three times? That man stood up and defended. (laughs) That is how the gospel is spread. Being an effective witness. What did you see? What did you hear? What did you experience? That is what the world is looking for. He goes on to say, all of these people speaking in a language that everyone could understand. And if we read further into the book of Acts, we will see that in all of these places just mentioned that the churches were established. Why? Because many people converted into the Christian faith. And I declare with the writer Luke, all the magnificent, all the excellent, all the perfect work of our Lord. You see, intellectually, they could not explain what had happened. The human minds could not comprehend it. And that takes me to verses 13 through to 15. You see, whenever... The Holy Spirit is at work. There will be mockers. There will be scoffers. There will be people, both sinners and those professing to be Christians. There will be people, sinners and Christians, who would jeer and sneer and mock because when us human beings don't understand some, something, that is one of the default modes that we go into. But I want you to observe something. In their mockery, they said, these people are full of new wine. <laughs> How true. How true. They were full of new wine. <laughs> I don't think you get what I'm saying. It wasn't the grape wine. But it was a wine, not from another kind of spirit. But it was a wine. Hallelujah. That came from the spirit of God. Hallelujah. A wine so powerful that it caused the miraculous to happen. You see, I've never been drunk. I was going to say that one time I tried to get drunk just to see what it was like. But even then, I didn't get drunk. I don't think mommy knew this one. (laughs) Just once, I tried. But it, it just didn't happen. So I can only speak of what I have seen in others and what I have heard other people have said. You see, when someone is drunk, they lose control of their faculties. They kind of stagger around the place. Their speech... Their speech became slur. And perhaps the next morning, they haven't got a clue what they said or what they did. But look at this kind of drunkenness. This kind of drunkenness I know the speech was clear, no slur. These men are not drunk as you think they are. Hallelujah. He stood up. The Bible didn't tell me that he stumbled anymore. Hallelujah. And what else did he do? This is for next week, but I'll just give you a touch, a taste. 
He preached the gospel message. No person that is intoxicated with alcoholic or any other kind of beverage is able to speak of the goodness, the glory, or anything else pertaining to God. Because that's alien from God. Peter stood up. He addressed the crowd and he defended the gospel of Jesus Christ. They're not intoxicated by um, alcohol. Peter says, because it is but the third hour of the day. I confess, up until about a few months ago, I used to preach this and teach this and I will say, yeah, it's only nine o'clock in the morning, the pub or the bar or the booze house, whatever you want to call it, wouldn't have been open. But no, it wasn't just that. You see, it was a feast day. It was a day when they would go into the tabernacle or into the temple. And the rule of the day was that they would eat nothing until they had done the morning prayer and had returned home. And they had not yet returned home. So it was only nine o'clock in the morning. Such eating would not probably have taken place until around 10 o'clock. And furthermore, it was one of those high celebration days. So the eating and the drinking would not have occurred until noon, 12 o'clock. You see, when people sneer at us and jeer at us, we need the Holy Spirit within us not to retaliate because sometimes that is so easy. Hear me. We need the Holy Spirit within us not to retaliate but to stand and to calmly declare what the word of God is saying. We stand and we declare what the word of God is saying. You see, God in his infinite wisdom knew that the strength that we have would not have been enough to take the gospel to the world. God saw the ridicule that was about to come. He saw the accusations and even the persecution that was going to come upon his disciples. And that includes you and I. And all the other stuff that comes along with that. Human strength, human ability is not able to do that. And that is why we need the power. We need the same power that fell at Pentecost today. The church is not so sophisticated that it can do without the power of God. The church is not so educated that it can get by on its own merits. The church is not so strong that it can do it in human self. We the church, we need the power of God. We the church, we need the power of Jesus today. We need the power of the Holy Spirit that fell at Pentecost. How then and why then do we need more power in the 21st century? First, if we are going to fulfill that great commission, go and make disciples, we need the power of Pentecost. 
If we are going to embrace the LGBT community, and just let me pause and explain, because I know some of our seniors may not be familiar with what I'm talking about. When we talk about LGBT, we're talking about the lesbians, we're talking about those that are gay, we're talking about those that are bisexual, we're talking about those that are trans, that one, yeah? And there's some more new ones that are coming today. Hear me, church, and hear me clearly. We need to embrace those kind of people in the community with the love and the compassion of Christ. With the love and the compassion of Christ. But we reject the sin of the lifestyle that they are involved in. Hallelujah. You see, brethren, there is a difference between loving a person and loving the thing that the person is doing. Hallelujah. And the gospel, the same way that it reached Veronica Griffith back then, Patmore now, is the same gospel that is going to reach individuals in such communities. But if we turn our backs on them, and if we have nothing at all to do with them, how then are we going to embrace them with the love of Christ? I cannot embrace Phil when he's over there and I'm over here. I gotta get close up to him. I gotta get close up if I'm going to embrace. Hallelujah. But I can't do that in my strength. I can't do that in myself. We need the wisdom of God. Because only God sees the heart. Only God can transform the heart. You see, it's not our preaching. It's not our singing that makes the difference. Hallelujah. It is the spirit of the Holy Ghost that makes the difference. So if we are going to reach these communities, we need the baptism of the Holy Spirit. If we are going to fellowship with those who have been released from prison without judgment and without condemnation, we need the wisdom of the Holy Spirit. If we are going to get the message of salvation to a lost and a dying world, we need the Holy Spirit. I believe, church, I believe that one of the reasons why the early church grew so much. First, they were obedient to Christ. <laughs> when we grieve the Holy Spirit, we are not being obedient to Christ. Secondly, I believe the church grew because the body of Christ was in unity. They were in one. You see, my head, not my brain, but my head, doesn't understand why my feet move the way it does. And the stuff inside of my stomach doesn't understand why my hand does this. What I'm trying to say is this. We don't always have to understand what each person is doing. Because we have an understanding that we are one. 
And it is that oneness, it is that unity that comes from Christ himself that makes the difference. So when there's fractions and schisms and division and the pulling here and the pulling there, who wants to be a part of that? And the third thing I believe that caused the church to grow so much in the early days was the miracles and the signs that followed the disciples of Jesus Christ. So yes, the initial evidence of the baptism of the Holy Spirit was speaking in tongues. But that was just the beginning. The word initial means the start. That was just the beginning. And as we go through the book of Acts, we will find that there is more. So much more to behold and to observe. Stand with me please, church.